0: Welcome to another episode of Breaking the Glass Slipper. I'm Lucy Hansom. I'm Charlotte Bond. And I'm Megan Lee. And tonight we're going to be talking about the feminist obligation. So it's common for feminist writers to feel the need to focus only on stories that preoccupy themselves with the marginalisation of women. Other writers don't necessarily dwell on the representation of their own demographic. So why should women and other marginalised groups feel the need to? Feminists, like us here at Breaking the Glass Slipper, aim to promote female writers and feminist themes within speculative fiction, raising their reputation out of the literary ghetto. But this in itself becomes a problem. We feel like the topics we cover and the writing we produce must cover feminist issues. A straight cis white man can write about anything he wants to, so should we not have that same privilege? If we don't continue to further the feminist cause with everything we do, is that not a failure on our own behalf, simply perpetuating the social norms we are hoping to break down? It has in some ways become a no-win situation. If we focus our efforts solely on creating fiction that tackles feminist issues, we are limiting ourselves. But if we don't make these issues central themes of our work, we are letting the side down. Opening this to uh, the group, Do you find yourself writing fiction about women and about feminist issues naturally? Or is this
1: a conscious choice? Well, I think I've said before that I've started off a written piece and I've had a a male protagonist. And I've actually looked at it and gone, does it need to be a male protagonist? Or can I switch it and make it a female and it will be just as good or perhaps even better? So personally, when I'm writing, I don't really focus on feminist issues. I have a story idea and I look at it and I see, would it be better for the protagonist to be a man or a woman? And obviously they have different issues associated with different um, genders. It depends really on what issues I'm trying to bring out, what frailties I'm trying to portray, what strengths I want in this particular person, whether I want them to have that particular strength in the face of adversity, something that a woman wouldn't normally have. You could write what would be essentially a male character but put a woman in it. And simply by just changing it to a woman, you would be advancing your feminist agenda because they would have strength and you know, perhaps physical strength as well as intellectual strength, which you might not necessarily find within that type of stereotype, within that kind of, say, fantasy novel. I mean, the obvious one is um, one Lucy and I are always on about, which is Jen Williams and um, her copper cat, who is pretty much Han Solo, but a woman. And I think it, it works brilliantly and it would work well with a man. And it worked well with a woman and it doesn't necessarily promote any feminist values, but I think it does do it almost indirectly by just going, hey, woman can do this as well without really making a big issue of it. You know, I I like the fact that you mentioned
0: the reversal of maybe just putting a woman in a man's place and just seeing how that affected the, you know, the whole structure of, of the, the narrative, because it, people have heard me bang on about this many times before, but with Starborn my first book I changed the gender of the main character and because of that it had a, kind of a knock on effect with several other characters had to change and one of those characters was a young woman called originally called Lisette who became Janus and the reason I I was going to say going back to this being a conscious decision a lot of my writing it it was quite unconscious but this particular gender switch was Conscious, because I suddenly realized that how many books do you find in all sorts of genres where you have a young woman being taken advantage of and manipulated by an older man and that crops up it's a really annoying trope that crops up constantly and I just walked into it like you know it's really easy to do and I thought well hang on a second if I change that to a young man what's not you know I think it will work really well and it might make it a little bit more interesting because there's nothing wrong with having a young you know a young man who wants to better his position socially uh, to have an older man take advantage of that and that just to me sounded so much more interesting and it kind of got rid of that trope entirely so on that level it was
2: quite a conscious decision. It's interesting because for me I've noticed something that I do where it's it's semi-unconscious but when I'm thinking about longer works and sort of brainstorming for you know story ideas for say a novel length or a novelette type thing I've noticed that I always tend to gravitate towards main female characters but when it comes to short stories which I tend to just sort of start writing on a whim and just kind of run with an idea I tend to default to a, a male protagonist and I just think that's really rather interesting when it comes down to sort of more unconscious writing I tend to always default to the male perspective which probably says a lot.
1: (laughs) Well it says that you sound a little bit like me because when I started out in all of this I very much definitely always started everything with a male character without thinking about it. It's only when I went back and went through my stuff and I went wow they're all men and then I realized what I was reading a lot of the short stories I was reading were by um, big name writers and they were all men as well. So I think you're right. I think for people at some point they do just uh, subconsciously go for men because even if you read a lot of um, female-led stuff, which I find myself doing now because I, I genuinely seek it out, but even then I still automatically sometimes go back to the man just because that's the first thing that pops into my head. It's only then that I go, actually, would this be a woman? Because you may have read something and gone, oh, I really enjoyed that, and it had a male protagonist. So you naturally, when you come to create your own, automatically just go to the male protagonist. I think whereas sometimes if you've read something with a strong female character, then you tend to go, oh, actually, yeah, this this one's definitely a woman. I think it can really depend on what you've been reading at the time. Although, Megan, you read quite a lot of female-led stuff, so maybe I'm I'm completely wrong on that.
2: Yeah, or maybe it's just, you know, because of the world that we live in, it's just really, really hard to overcome that default.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think, uh, and I was um, subject to that default as well when I wrote the first draft of my book, and I wrote it with a young male protagonist because... I'd kind of been unconsciously indoctrinated by that idea that it's a young man who goes out into the world to make his fortune. And, you know, once that's pointed out, you're quite shocked at how many other gender assumptions that we fall into automatically. Um, I'm like, because we're talking about uh, men and, and male authors. Do you see anything wrong with male writers writing
1: women or tackling female issues? Well, this is one of the questions that Megan sent round. <laughs> the first thing I wrote down in, in my notes was, well, I'd be offended if I was told as a woman that I couldn't write men or tackle male issues. So I think it's only fair to put it the other way around. It's like, I would be terribly offended if someone said to me, well, you know, you wrote about this man going through his midlife crisis and you have absolutely no idea. And it's like, well... There are a lot of universal issues that apply to us all. And if I can write about men and, you know, certainly in the current climate, I'm expected to write about men if I'm going to be a, you know, a technically commercial success. Then I think it's fair to say to guys, well, yeah, of course you can write about women and feminist issues in the same way I can write about men. I think my men are reasonably rounded and I suspect that any women that are written by men could be reasonably rounded as well. But it's all going
2: to depend on the individual, isn't it? Look, if we can write about orcs or aliens or demons, then we can write about any gender.
0: Yeah, I mean absolutely. Um I I think the the only exception to this is the those truly terrible with um especially in fantasy, because I don't know why it's just this just happens all the time, but the whole bugbear of, you know, rape as as character motivation and, and all the times I've seen this happen, it's pretty much always been a male author who's written this. And I just it's like, well, it comes back to the argument. Well, do we want bad representation or no representation at all? What's better not for, for that particular author just to not even go anywhere near trying to tackle issues from a feminist perspective, or, you know, just to do it really, really badly and and spread the whole idea of, you know, a strong because of her horrible experiences in the past when she was raped by men. And that's what's made, you know, it's just all so awful that so we should have, you know, left that behind kind of years ago um so yeah i don't know whether because that's an argument that you could also use with um you know other books that tackle uh, issues like transgender uh, homosexuality these aren't issues as such but the mainstream has made them issues so you know and i see people you know arguing for both sides saying well you know is it good that that particular author attempted to um, empathise with with this particular character or should they just have left well enough alone?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when it comes to bad, rep- bad representations or, you know, re- representations that are potentially questionable, my issue isn't so much that, say, a man has tried to represent this f- feminine issue, I guess, um, and, and done a, a poor job at it. My issue becomes more when they try to defend themselves on... Very shaky ground. So, uh, Doctor Who comes to mind in some of the arguments. That um, oh now his his name has disappeared from my head.
1: Stephen who, Moffat.
2: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen Moffat um, has like defended not making a female Doctor Who on some very bizarre arguments. I, I just you know when it's that kind of thing that bothers me. So if someone's tried to make something inclusive and just not done a brilliant job, perhaps, but then tries to, like, back it up by saying, oh, well, you know, the the audience isn't ready for that or, you know, something that's equally pathetic. Um, that's when I start to have an issue with it.
1: Megan, just picking up on what you said earlier about, you know, if we can write orcs and aliens and things like that, one of the things that I thought about when I was prepping for this is, is it easier to write about the opposite gender... If you're writing within a fantasy setting with aliens or orcs or something, so for example, is it easier for a guy to write uh, a female elf and you know still put that forward as a strong female character, but not be traditionally modern female, if that makes sense? Does do you think adding, do you think changing things within a fantasy setting is either, easier than perhaps changing it in a literary setting, for example?
2: Oh, that's a tough question. I think. Probably not, to be honest, because given, you know, how much range potentially speculative fiction can have, the societies in these completely made up worlds that we can't constantly see tend to have the same gender dynamics that we have currently. Just the fact that we're not able to, you know, get out of that very easily makes it seem like. It, it's just as difficult or you would just come up with something else it, it is hard to to get out of our brains and out of what we're used to seeing how we interact with people in you know in terms of our context and, and history and experience i mean it, it's similar to that whole thing about the, you know defaulting to a male protagonist we do it without thinking and when we invent these other worlds i think it's it's very hard to come up with a different world that doesn't reflect what we have here doesn't mean we shouldn't try but i do think it, it is a difficult thing to do and especially do it well because we're so ingrained in in what we know now
1: that's true, and I, I see exactly what you mean. But I still think it might be a little easier if we were talking about, you know, men trying to um either do it or do it badly, um or you know, white people trying to write black people but doing it perhaps you know not with the, the culture um associations and knowledge behind them. I still think it's easier within a fantasy setting because if you get something a little bit wrong, you're not going to have feminists or anybody jumping up and down and going, oh, "Actually, that's not how it is," because you but it's in a fantasy setting. So it is in a way easier to push it because you can say, Well, yeah, I didn't quite get that bit right, but that's not how my world works. And people are more willing to believe that things are different in a fantasy world. So I remember I forget which episode it was we talked about, there was um someone said that they were behind a guy in the bookshop who just went, Oh no, no, I don't I don't read female writers. And for those people out there who are guys who just don't read women, to have a novel by a male writer with a strong female character within a fantasy setting that maybe isn't quite the way a modern woman would want, but is getting that way. I think that's easier to accept than, say, um, a modern thriller where the woman is, uh, you know, not quite right. I think fantasy provides more scope for that kind of thing.
0: So all in all, fantasy is a stomping ground. <laughs> so we can start off there as, in a safe space, as it were, and, and slowly uh,
1: move out into the the wider world. Well, but. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there might be people who disagree, but I think if you're going to push people's expectations, then push it somewhere where they're already expecting things to be different anyway, rather than trying to sell them a, a accurate modern woman in a modern setting, sell them an accurate modern woman in a historical fantasy setting and, you know, see how they go with that.
2: Um, I'd just like to point out that this is like all original series Star Trek was about. It was entirely about putting these issues in and bringing them to light in different circumstances so that people could get out of their kind of established views and look at it from a different angle. So, you know, it dealt with race and gender and, you know, all sorts of things. And, and that was exactly what they did, um, you know, put it into a different world where you're not necessarily predisposed to thinking certain ways about how that world should work. Absolutely, And that is why it remains so fondly
1: remembered, I think, by so many people to this day. Before this episode gets hijacked
0: by Star Trek <laughs> again, for like the hundredth time. Sorry. Um, we'll move on to, as I said, <laughs> the crux of the um, the whole topic, which I think is an excellent question, which I'm not entirely sure has um, a correct answer. Are we traitors to our sex if we write fiction about predominantly male characters? What if we were POC, transgender, gay, any other minority? Do we have a responsibility to represent ourselves in the art that we create?
2: I think this is a difficult question to answer. And I would say, especially given my sort of seat of privilege as such, a white straight cisgendered woman you know it, it's difficult for me i've never felt particularly pressed or or any of that so it's hard for me to say that you know to whether or not it's necessary because i've never really had that experience of not seeing myself represented in the fiction that i consume so it's it, it is a difficult question when you know trying to navigate the the pitfalls of privilege and all that sort of thing and yeah, I'm not I'm not sure if there is an easy answer to this because Yeah, no, I just I th- don't. <laughs> I, I,
0: I I thought I had an answer before I read one of the articles that Megan sent round, um, which was a brilliant article and it was argued brilliantly. And my opinion before reading the article was very <laughs> Very opinionated and like you know, yes. Well, the burden of education inevitably has to fall on women and and the minority. You know, but to educate the majority because you know we don't live in a fair society. And actually, it would be great if we don't. So you know, we do have an obligation to get out there and spread these these feminist issues. But then I read this article which uh, we'll we'll link in the um episode description. It's by Celia Winterfox and it's published on FeministCurrent.com and she says it's called feminists are not responsible for educating men and i read this article and i thought fuck this is brilliant and she has this such such a great she lay, lays it out in such a, a straightforward way and you, what we're trying to find a really good quote from it she says if you're in a group that has the structural advantage of wages safety health and education when you basically when you've basically already won the life lottery just by showing up it is your responsibility to educate yourself and i was like yes because we have the tools to do so so on one side i i kind of feel like you know i do have an obligation uh, and on the other side after reading that article i was like well you know uh, why why does the burden of responsibility fall on the minority
1: to educate the majority difficult eh well it's quite a timely question for me because i'm just starting a, a new project to do over the summer holidays while i'm um, swamped with childcare and i wanted something reasonably quick and simple to do and i had an old idea that i was looking back through and it had been a um uh, it'd been a predominantly male character and i was like oh i should try and see if this works as a female because i felt you know i should really I, I must challenge myself to see if i can turn this character who is traditionally male within the genre that i was writing in so not quite private investigator but that kind of that kind of style and i looked at it and i went actually no he's He's he really needs to be a guy. And I think a woman wouldn't actually work here. So despite wanting to write strong women, I was like, well, no, this this is a story that needs a man in the main role simply because of the way I'm going about it. But then I looked at it and went, well, hang on a minute. In my original one, I had um, his two antagonists as both men. And I was like, well, actually, if I had them as women, that would still push the same agenda and still show strong women because they would be main uh, they would be sort of main characters within it they would be interacting with the hero you would be able to see society's attitude to them and how they respond and also that you are able to push feminist agenda through a male protagonist by the way he responds to you know the feminism within the tale the way he respects the women the way he treats the women or the way he doesn't treat them or whatever you you want to put it so i think it is still, I think it's still important to to look at it and go, you know, is this, could this be more female friendly? Could this be, you know, more racially friendly, but at the same time, not do that at the expense of the story itself. And if you go, well, you know, my main character has to be this kind of person. Um, can I make the other characters slightly different and in a brilliant way, make them fantastic. So I remember a big fan of um, John Connolly, in particular, the Charlie Parker series. And he's got my two favorite characters that I love more than Charlie Parker himself, uh, Angel and Louie. And they're two gay men, and one of them is black, and they are just wonderful. And to be honest, uh, he wrote a book where they were the main characters, and I just loved it. And I love seeing them within the, the text. And I'm like, yeah, skipping ahead, is there more, any more Angel and Louie that I can read about? So I think it is good to have main protagonists. And you can still have predominantly male characters who are still pushing minority agendas through either the supporting roles and particularly how those men respond to the supporting roles as well
0: surely the very act of having the freedom to write what you want as a woman is a feminist act
2: i think so i mean i mean this it's it's part of the same question you know if if i end up just solely writing about men whether that's a conscious choice or not i should have the freedom to do so
0: Yes, absolutely. I believe in freedom of speech over censorship any day.
2: <laughs> yes, but then you know, yeah, it's a tough question because then you think, well, you know, why are you, uh, are you neglecting your women folk and your your characters? And but then again, if you have a very career, you know, um, you publish a lot or you write a lot, surely you would just build up a good amount of different kinds of characters and hopefully of different genders over that period, but. Yeah it is it's a difficult question. Well actually this that
0: ties in beautifully to my next question which was how would this kind of limitation impact an author's work over the course of their career is there some kind of arbitrary quota that needs to exist over a body of work or is each piece judged separately and it's just what you were saying about you know a, a prolific author and you are producing what, it, you know, could be termed a body of work. Um, how does that reflect, you know, on you as a writer? Because I, I think Kate Elliott was talking on Twitter the other day of um, about being pigeonholed uh, as a YA writer when she certainly isn't. Or and there's nothing wrong with being a writer, but if you're at the beginning of co- your career, it seems to be more often than not women who are pigeonholed immediately, and men who have the freedom to float between genres and i'm not entirely sure why this is Is it simply because we look at you know the creative industries from different gender standards i don't know um but it's, it's quite worrying that you know you could it's you know it's quite a concern that you know as as an author you can be approached and say oh well you know why is your body of work not um exploring a certain you know well, not over a certain topic. Why is it feminism, you know, when you're a, you're meant to be a proponent of feminism yourself?
2: Yeah, so it just made me think um, of, you know, how some writers will use a different name to write different genres. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking that I can't think of as many m- male examples as female examples that do that, which, again, I think links back to your statements, Lucy, about um, how men don't seem to get pigeonholed as easily. And I wondered if... If that, you know, the choosing a different name to publish under was kind of a, a cause or a, an effect <laughs> of that factor. I don't really have an answer to that. I just thought that was an interesting
1: thought. Well being involved in the um romance genre and having friends and, and writers within the erotica genre as well. I say there are quite a few guys who write under a, a pseudonym for that because uh. women will not necessarily pick up a romance novel that is written by um a man because you know they i think when it comes to romance you kind of want it to be if you're a woman you you want to pick up something written by a woman that is specifically tailored for you because i think it's so predominant the readership so predominantly female and i think there are some people who feel a little wouldn't necessarily feel uncomfortable but might bypass it in favor of something that they're definitely sure is going to appeal to them because romance readers are very specific about what they're looking for they're looking for very very tailored specific fiction
2: isn't that just you know equal to a, a man saying he doesn't read books by women if women pick up and say oh well i don't want to read a romance novel by written by a man possibly but i mean the thing with romance is that there are
1: so many romance novels on the market it is easy to to bypass it and you know i'm not saying that that's that's right or wrong i'm just saying that that's you were saying about men not necessarily having many pseudonyms. I'm saying, well, no, not within this genre. But if you look at this corresponding genre, mm.
2: um,
1: then there definitely they definitely are quite a few men out there sort of r- enjoying and writing very good romance, but um, presenting themselves as women so that there isn't that um, opposing stereotypical view.
2: Hmm. Interesting. It is. I, I think it
0: would be amazing to live in a society where, you know, people could walk into a bookshop and not have that knee-jerk reaction of, oh, it's by a woman, oh, oh, it's by a man, I'm not going to like it. I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, so I still think there is a lot of work to do and, and – Kind of almost harking back to the other question, I kind of feel like personally, as an author, I do have this this obligation to kind of continue to push. I don't want to say push an agenda because that kind of makes it sound militant. It's not. It's simply exploring all avenues and creating a balanced picture.
2: Yes. And I think, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, a body of work from an author, I think that is when it becomes potentially an issue of, of you know, saying, um, going back to, you know, sh- should I write about women in my work? If you do get to sort of publish 20 novels and you've not got a single female protagonist, I'd, I'd start asking questions. But should I? Because... Yeah. I'm trying to think freedom of of speech and all that (laughs) yeah I mean this is the thing it's should we really expect people to balance that out there's nothing wrong with having a certain kind of person Or, or say if you know there was someone who always wrote female protagonists maybe you know it'd be good to have them explore a male protagonist and so on but you can't really set rules around this and we shouldn't it's yeah we shouldn't judge but at the same time it, it can be tricky if you if it's obvious that um a gender or a minority group of some kind is is consciously almost being left out of things um you know that's when you know stories get erased from history and and, and people don't see themselves represented in the fiction and then that can be a problem but also is it you know is it the responsibility of the author to try and you know capture as as many different minorities as they can in their work you know what is the responsibility as as an author
1: i think there's two elements to this um, and i'm not necessarily sure that they come to an agreed answer but i mean the first thing i would say is you have to write what you know and i think the prime example of this is jane austen who churned out a load of very similar kind of styles and protagonists and issues but they, they sell because she knew about going to tea party, she knew about scandal, and she knew about the issues of finding a husband. And that's what really makes her work shine and, and stand out so many years later. So I think if feminism is what you know and what drives you, then you should write that. Um, and I mean it would at least mean that your work is consistent and there will be some people who only feel happy writing feminism in the same way that there's going to be some guys who feel they can never do justice to a female um, protagonist and will always write about macho male characters. And that's fine for some people because then it means you've got a consistent body of work. But I also think there's an element of for people who you know aren't in either extreme, it goes back to what I was saying about it being the needs of the story. So you shouldn't just cast a woman in it because that's what you think you should be pushing, or you shouldn't just cast a black character because that's what you think you should be pushing. Because if you do that and it doesn't ring true within the story, then your story is going to be bad and they won't necessarily read your other stuff, which might be really excellent and promoting a minority very well. So I think you've got to write about what you know, you've got to make it valid at the same time. You've got to think what works for the story. And if you write a good story, then with a character of colour or a a transgender character, whatever, whatever, and people enjoy it, they'll go and pick up your other stuff as well. And if you're consistently promoting minorities through that, I think that will will work well. But it's got to be a good story at the heart of it.
0: So can we have strong, well-rounded
1: characters who don't directly push against inequality? Yeah, well, I I think the world is full of them. You can pick up any any book and I mean we're assuming that a minority is as we said at the beginning that um it's going to be someone who isn't a straight cis white man and there's loads of fabulous books about that I mean I was reading Joe Abercrombie the other day and that's got some fantastic characters although I suppose you could say that um what's he called Glockter is um is physically disabled so I suppose that is still pushing a um an over overlooked minority but, I mean, there's so much great stuff out there. I think there just needs to be so much great stuff out there with a few added um, people of colour or um, transgender characters or bisexual characters or something like that.
2: Having just read Shattered Minds by Laura Lamb, what I actually really liked about it was that she had uh, a trans character, but that character and and you know the issue of transgender was never an issue it was never something that even required not justification or even really exploration it just was and that was just wonderful I really really liked that he was who he was and that was okay and everyone accepted it and it was just kind of a non-thing in that way you know so separately he was a very strong character but He doesn't push against those sort of issues of inequality and representation and that. And kind of in doing so, he pushes against them even more in a weird way. (laughs) Is that because he's in a society that is accepting? I'd say, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was certainly part of it. Um, But just the idea of going in and being able to read something where... You know, she's imagined a society where that isn't a, a thing, where it's not like nobody's going. Oh my goodness! You know, this person's transgender. That was fantastic in itself, because again, you know, like we were saying earlier, you know, this having in speculative fiction where creating worlds that we, you know, we can do anything with them, and when, to actually give us examples of these worlds where that kind of acceptance is there is fantastic, and it it helps us see outside of what we have. You know, as our current social construct.
1: Just leaping on that, you've reminded me the conversation I had with Lee Harris the other day where we were talking about um, some of Shauna Maguire's work. And I won't I won't mention the book or the characters specifically because um, that would be a major spoiler. But in one of her um, novellas that she's done for Tor.com, one of the um, characters has a one of the female characters has a girlfriend. And the girlfriend is actually a crucial catalyst within the story itself. But what works so beautifully is that the catalyst is not dependent on this character being gay. It could easily have been that this girl fell in love with the man. She just didn't. She happened to fall in love with a woman. And it's just presented so naturally. And the response is, it's literally, if you took this female character out and then put a male um, love interest in instead, it would have worked equally as well. There was completely nothing different about it, apart from it was just a girl. And it was just as poignant and just as beautiful and I think it worked really nicely and like Megan said it kind of it didn't push the agenda but just simply because she existed as a character it, it just worked wonderfully and you just went yeah gay character never mind yeah let's see what happens next on the next page
0: so moving on to issues of authenticity which we have just touched on um, for example could I only write authentically about something I have direct experience of I mean how does that I'm a fantasy author I mean how do I work in a speculative fiction environment is this about cultural appropriation
2: Yeah I mean this is this is a tough one that I struggle with because I find other cultures fascinating and you know particularly like coming from Australia we're kind of I it just I always felt like I just grew up with kind of all sorts of cultures all around me and but you know, as I grew older, I became aware of cultural appropriation issues, and i I struggle to understand sometimes, or, or to process it. Why, you know, what counts as cultural appropriation, and what is simply like uh, enjoying different cultures? And you know, what at what point do you are you taking from them in in a way that's um, offensive yeah it's it's tricky because you know i you know say if i wanted to write a fantasy but i wanted to base it on japanese mythology is that okay i'm not japanese but i find their mythology fascinating yeah that kind of question it, it becomes it's a bit of a minefield and i i have to admit that i it is something I worry about because I do like exploring other cultures and using and finding interesting stories that I can use for inspiration. But at what point does that cross the line? Mm.
0: I completely, I'm really glad you said that because I'm pretty much of the similar opinion. I'm not entirely sure um, what a a bad example of cultural appropriation is because I mean, surely it's limiting a writer to exploring, you know, only, cultural sphere and be that you know sexual racial social sphere and surely acceptance you know and understanding can only come with exploration of of other cultures so yeah it's a tough one i mean if anyone listening is is you know has greater insight than than us or you know, please do, you know, leave a comment because, I mean, I know there was a massive storm that was kicked up a kind of few months ago. I'm not even sure this is terrible. I should probably have looked this up. Um, Some uh, lecture that was given in maybe in Australia, actually, Um, about, and it was a, quite a famous writer uh, who talked, I gave a speech about cultural appropriation, and I'm not which side she came down on, um, but it kicked up a big fuss about it. Um, and so, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not well educated in this. It just seems from from where I'm standing, it is a sensitive subject, um, but surely sticking to, you know, as Megan said earlier, you know, our particularly... Um, narrow privileged sphere can't really be good for um, for us as human beings and and looking to you know expand our horizons and also for you know the readers who's
2: who we're producing our work for the one thing i was thinking of was you know the fact that you can talk to people that sounds obvious but you know if you're writing a gay character being a straight person talk to other gay people and learn about what what is acceptable what what is um potentially derogatory or you know things like that you know just research and as long as you're kind of attempting to represent something in a fair and and way i think that's really important but then again you don't also want to limit you know this (laughs) you you get a whole minefield of you know you don't want to do the oh the the gay person gets killed or you know the the woman, the old woman, is unmarried, and she's the evil one. You know, you, there, there are those kinds of things. But at the same time, you also want to be able to have just as many cis white male villains as you have transgender villains, and and so on. And it 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 becomes difficult.
1: I think the issue of authenticity is always going to be a personal one. I mean, personally, um, I think so long as you do, as Megan says, as you do your research. And you stick to the the idea of, you know, write about what you know and make sure that you know as much as you physically can about that culture or that minority, um, then I think you're going to you're going to be a bit more acceptable than someone who's just gone. I'm just going to stick in a character of color. I know I'll have a Latino in it and then we'll just go from there. And sort of going, well, yeah, but you haven't really bothered to research. This character doesn't actually ring true because you haven't looked into their kind of culture and what kind of attitudes they would have. Um, So I think it's a bit like historical fiction, really, in that you're always going to, even no matter how much research you do, there's always going to be someone who goes, oh, yeah, they didn't have potatoes in that that era. (laughs) Or they, you know, nobody drew a bow like that. And there's always going to be, something that you get wrong um and i think it but nobody is going to necessarily completely dish your historical book because of a couple of mild inaccuracies so i think as long as you can make it genuinely authentic for the majority of people as long as you you know if you've got a few issues in there it's not too bad but they can't be glaring issues they've got you've really got to do your research as megan says go talk to people read books if it's a, a modern day culture look at the music, look at the people, the style of dress, the attitudes, the articles that are written. I mean, I've just done a load of research on the Mayans, and, you know, I'm not part of the Mayan community, and there are obviously still Mayans existing today, although I doubt they'd ever read a book that I published. But that's not the point. The point is that you have to do as much research as possible, get as much background, and then try and keep your characters within the research that you've got. And I think if you don't have direct experience of it, that is more difficult, but it's not impossible.
2: Uh, and actually, linking back to what you said earlier, Charlotte, it was um, you know about it's actually a lot easier when you come to speculative fiction because you can make it up, you can be inspired by something potentially, but not you know copy directly or you know you you are making these things up. So it's difficult to be authentic uh, when writing a, a, an orc horde because <laughs> I mean I don't think anyone knows what it's like to to live as an orc. Maybe some, you know, real heavy gamers might <laughs> argue differently, but, you know, so there, there is that kind of scope for more imagination. And yeah, I think it, it'd be easier to circumnavigate some potential issues of authenticity within speculative fiction.
1: Exactly. I mean the Mayan one I've just researched, I did a. there was quite a few books that touched on the Aztecs as well. And I'm sure there are a few ideas from Aztec times which are completely separate to Mayan times, and any scholar within that sort of specialization would go, Oh, that's that's clearly not Mayan. I'm like, but it's not a Mayan civilization, it's a fantasy based on a Mayan civilization. So I can have a bit of Aztec, I can have this, that, and the other. And you can't come back at me because it's my civilization that I invented and you know, they clearly didn't have these particular gods that I've created that so you know it's it's not exactly right but again it makes it more difficult I think if you're trying to write a modern a modern day setting with modern day characters you've got to you know get beta readers of your minority so that they can point at it and go yeah we totally never say that (laughs) and I think that's you know that's the best you can do and I imagine that even people of color um or well, transgender writers who write within um, of those kind of minorities are still going to get people picking things up because a culture, a minority, a, a civilization, whatever, there's always going to be differences of opinion about what is acceptable culture and what isn't.
2: Yep, just as as it is among speculative fiction fans. And uh, these two love Lord of the Rings. Who would have thought? And I think it's just a pile of crap. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, <laughs> we all are allowed our differences of opinions. Exactly.
1: And I really hated Rogue One, and I seem to be in the minority for that. But it's all very different. <clears throat> no comment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> on which one? LOTR, of course. Ah. Uh... Um, so perhaps the stickiest question and the last. It could be argued that identity politics led conceptions of writing and representation sees only larger demographics as a way to sort and stereotype people. But writing good characters is all about creating an individual who has their own quirks, regardless of a fact about them, like gender, sexual orientation, race or culture. Is this restrictive view actually forcing
1: stereotypes upon writers? Well, actually, I think that stereotyping in literature is actually essential, um, either because you're helping the readers feel at home in your world or you're challenging them w- by changing the stereotype. So I did a course on Homer and one of the questions that they asked, um, this this is relevant, I'm not digressing to ancient Greek for for no reason, but they asked, why did he use stock phrases? This master of um, oration, why did he just keep going back to, you know, standard phrases like once upon a time or something like that? And the answer they came up with after considering it was that because he needs to create some familiarities within the world so that people can actually relate to what he's saying so that they can have a sense of anticipation so they know what's going to happen. And I think the idea of stereotyping does have some good points because you, you get a stereotypical macho character with paired with a young woman and you know that she's going to break down his macho ness, and it's all going to, you know, he, he might not end up with her in a romantic way, but he's going to be changed by his association with her. And because she's perhaps a victim, she's going to be emboldened by her relationship with him. And I think people enjoy stereotypes because they get an anticipation of what's going to happen. I think what happens, what then goes wrong is if you stick to those stereotypes all the time and if you don't put in a stereotypical person and then, challenge everybody's expectations of what that person's going to do by um, changing it around. I mean, (laughs) twice in in one podcast, but we talk about Jen Williams um, and uh, the male warrior in her um, stories. Very familiar trope, very um, usual body style fighting format. Um, But simply by changing the sexuality, it allows readers to explore um, a stereotype that they love and know and are familiar with, but in a new and exciting way and just breathe new life into that character.
0: Yeah, Sebastian's a great example.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that writing good characters is all about creating an individual with their own quirks, as you said. But I think part of that can be um, taking a stereotype and reversing it or having a stereotype and then having people around them slightly reverse, and seeing how that stereotype reacts to completely different people. So I don't necessarily think stereotypes are bad, but I think they can be used badly. Yeah, I think you've kind of answered what I wanted to say. The only thing that struck me
0: um, was that, you know, there's one particular, couple of particular types of um, stereotype that's really come about pretty much because of all of this, um, you know, the the, the greater discussion of feminism um, and female independence are in. Um, speculative fiction, it's particularly prevalent in YA. um, And they have, uh, especially dystopias, Um, that that stereotype of the the female chosen one. I think Charlotte would probably hate this. Uh, The one whose heart is not so easily won by a man who is fiercely independent to the point of actually being irritating. Like she will not accept help from anybody because she is her own woman and she can do this. Um, And it's just it keeps cropping up and I think it's funny because you would think oh you know on the surface yeah why shouldn't we have a fiercely independent woman who doesn't need anyone else's help but it's become I think it's become a stereotype because of pulp maybe not fully because but definitely partly because of this conversation that we've been having um in the wider public sphere about um particularly female representation within fiction
2: part of that I think is is that's That's the lazy use of stereotype. It's tricky. I don't think necessarily, like, looking at one sort of aspect of a person is that limiting. I think it becomes limiting when people use, like, a fact about them, like, the fact that a character is female or male, the fact that a character is, you know, from a certain uh, culture, if they use that to define the character, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. So it's you know it's it's great to have these these pieces in there, but it has to be part of a bigger, well-rounded character construct. You can't just you can't you shouldn't just use them as as shorthand. You know that I mean that's that's when you get problematic stereotypes when you use you know a character being gay uh, a male character being gay as you know shorthand for effeminate you know that's the problem so it's about getting that representation in there so you know without you know the quota stuff but having that representation or, or you know these facts about a character what what they are what they are is different from who they are i think is is the important bit there
0: I think that's a great note to wrap up on. (laughs) This is quite a complicated topic and we're never going to find an answer in a short podcast. But what I think it's important to take away is that promoting diversity will make a good story even better. Thanks for listening.